Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, my name is Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the Mining Podcast. And today's guest is Jake Klein, who's the Executive Chair of Evolution Mining, a leading growth-focused gold company operating in five wholly-owned mines in New South Wales, Queensland, who are uh, both in Australia, and Ontario in Canada. Uh, Jake is an experienced mining executive with a proven track record, having developed the Sino Gold uh, Company with a market cap of 100 million to eventually selling the company to Eldorado Gold for over two, uh, $2 billion. So being at the helm of Evolution since 2011, Jake has developed this company to what it is today. Um, so we're doing this podcast to hear more about that particular journey, um, what they've been up to, um, and he can give us an update on the company and what the outlook is. So that's welcome, Jake, to the podcast. How are you doing, Jake? Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me on. No, appreciate your time as well. So, wondering if you can uh, tell our audience a little bit about your your career, your background, what you've been doing. Obviously, been successful as I've as I've mentioned. Um, so, I just wanted to give a, an overview of your uh, of your career. Yeah, I've always described myself as the accidental miner uh, because okay. if if you'd asked me when I left school, um, I grew up in South Africa, Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, what my career was likely to be in mining uh, would have been near the bottom. Uh, but I was incredibly fortunate to get into it. It's been an amazing career. Uh, I'm now described, I think, as a 30-year veteran of the, of the industry. Um, and and uh, it's been an incredible journey. So I started out, I emigrated to Australia in 1991, uh, got a job at Macquarie Bank, um, which at that stage was an organisation with 1,500 people, just starting out its amazing journey to become a global brand. Uh, was very fortunate um, to get a job. It was a deep recession in Australia at the time. Uh, I uh, started in internal audits. Um, it was an organization that just uh, allowed you the freedom to find your pathway. Uh, the Bullion and Commodities Division needed someone with my skills, so I got a job there. It happens to be the most profitable division in the bank at the time. Um, and uh, then I uh, went on a visit to China in 1995, uh, and that changed my life. Um, the next 15 years were spent building gold mines in remote parts of China, initially for uh, a company that was wholly owned by the Chinese government. Uh, and then, as you referenced in the introduction, uh, I co-founded and, and was the only CEO of uh, uh, Sino Gold, which was listed on the Australian Stock Exchange in 2002. Uh, and was bought by Eldorado for over $2 billion in 2009. Um, that was an amazing time to be in China. It was when globalization uh, was uh, the headline of the day. Um, unfortunately, it's not anymore. Um, but to be able to have exposure to China, to the Chinese mining industry, uh, and to build gold mines in very remote parts of China was just an incredible experience. Um, it got gold mining in my blood. Uh, and since and from there, I was looking, thinking in 2009 when the company was sold, 
thought, well, there's got to be something easier than building gold mines in remote parts of China. So uh, we, I founded uh, what was a, a, a company that predated evolution uh, in 2010. We took over a small shell company that had no production. Uh, in 2011, we did a three-way merger that created evolution. Um, and uh, today, it's 11 years later. But over 11 years, and the company has a market cap of about uh, 6.3 billion Australian dollars, um, operating five mines, um, as you said, in Australia and Canada. Yeah. Um, you mentioned obviously working in China, and I could imagine a lot of people will have different perceptions of working in China and what China's all about. I just want to just give us an overview of what mining is like in China. Well, the, the difference between the, the, when I started in China in 95 to when I uh, last was active in business in China in 2009 was incredible and very stark. So when I arrived in 1995, um, you know, people used to ride bicycles around um, and uh, little blue trucks, and they literally you know, had wheelbarrows in, in mines. Um, to fast forward uh, 15 plus years later, um, you know, you, I went on the bullet train uh, in Beijing. Uh, I went to Jiangxi Copper, which was a, um, a smelter in Jiangxi province, uh, which in 1995, it, we went there on our first visit. Uh, it was a small Chinese smelter. Uh, I think today it is the world's largest copper smelter. So the transformation of China, which you read about in the headlines all the time, um, I was had a window into it um, at a time when the momentum was all about globalization, integration of China. Of course, that has changed pretty dramatically, and I'm uh, really surprised and um, uh, um, nervous about the headlines which you're reading about now, the confrontation, uh, the clear conflict that is emerging between Western powers and China. Yeah. Um, so, just wondering if you can just tell us a little bit about evolution mining um, and a little bit, obviously, the, the history to, to where it is today. So, as I said, we formed it in 2011. It was done via a three-way merger of two juniors uh, and Newcrest actually owned 33% of it. They vended in two assets. Um, at the time, they just bought Lahir. Um, and our whole thesis has been that um, we want to have a small, highly concentrated portfolio of assets. Uh, so six to eight assets would be our ideal number. Uh, we believe that bigger is not necessarily better in the gold space. Um, you want to be in the space where you can fund your own growth, um, but exploration, discovery, and M&A can make a material difference to your valuation as well. Uh, so we've never, um, we've never tried or aspired to be the biggest. What we want to be is the most profitable and the highest margin business. Uh, and that's meant starting with five assets um, and very little production uh, and continually uh, changing that portfolio like a, a, an investment manager would change their portfolio of investments. Uh, but we want to keep upgrading that portfolio. And today, if you look at it in 2023, uh, we now have some world-class assets in our portfolio uh, that were bought um, at times mainly out of majors uh, when they either had a strategic direction that didn't suit those assets uh, or they found themselves in some um, financial uh, difficulties. Uh, 
Um, and we've ended up with a, a, a fantastic portfolio. Um, we wholly own them all. Um, they're all in Australia. We've got one operation in Canada, the Red Lake operation, which we'll talk about. Um, but we were able to acquire um, the Cow Gold Mine in New South Wales from Barrick. Um, just as an example, Barrick had decided in 2015 that it no longer wanted to be in Australia. Um, Cow was due to close uh, the mining operation in 2020 and process low-grade stockpiles till 2024. Uh, we have just built an underground gold mine there. We're still operating the open pit. Uh, it has a mine life out to 2040, um, and it has a lot of exploration upside alongside uh, uh, still to come, and it will produce 320,000 uh, low-cost ounces next year. Uh, Ernest Henry, uh, we did in a, in, in a two-step transaction with Glencore. Uh, Glencore in 2016, uh, was going through some financial difficulties and um, decided that it didn't want to sell any copper assets or copper exposure. So we devised a transaction uh, that suited them. We bought all the gold uh, and 30% of the copper. It is a copper gold mine uh, with it, it probably equal quantities of in terms of value of copper and gold. Um, and we bought 100% uh, of the gold, 30% of the copper, uh, and uh, we paid them $880 million, uh, which we've been repaid. I think we've made $1.3 billion in cash out of that deal. And then in 2021, late in November 2021, they decided that the asset didn't fit their portfolio anymore and we acquired the balance of it. So we now earn 100% of Ernest Henry. Um, it has a mine life out to 2031. We're just doing a pre-feasibility study which we think will extend that mine life materially. So that's been a flavor of how we've trans transformed the portfolio. At the same time, we've said that we're not going to be uh, married to any asset either. And so we've sold three of our assets because they became non-core and non uh, not material to us. Um, with the Australian gold price breaking 3,000 Aussie dollars uh, for the first time recently, um, what's your current outlook or gold? Well, I started at Diggers and Dealers in August 2022, so just under nine months ago that I thought the gold price would be over 2,000 US dollars. And I think I'm going to be able to go to, back to Diggers this year and say that I told you so. Um, the thing which I didn't quite uh, um, get right is the Australian dollar, because generally when the gold price goes up, the US dollar weakens. Uh, and the Australian dollar gold price kind of stays relatively steady or increases at a lower rate than um, the US dollar gold price. What you've seen this year is quite unusual because the Australian dollar is weak uh, as the US dollar gets such traction from the, 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 the global fragmentation that we're, um, we're seeing. Um, and so you've got an, a, a lower Australian dollar and a rising gold price, which as you say, the gold price in Australian dollars over $3,000 an ounce. Just for your listeners, a reference, when I started in the industry, uh, $300 Australian was the gold price, and gold miners were able to make money at that price. Um, so if you're not making money at $3,000 Australian dollars an ounce, um, you need to look for another business. Yeah, certainly. Um, Evolution is about to complete the final deliveries into its hedge book this quarter. What does that mean for the business? 
So we're, we're, um, we've got two studies um, that are being completed. We've got pre-feasibility study at Ernest Henry, um, which is really a, um, as I said, a world-class asset, which we will see, I, I'm confident we'll see significant and material mine life extensions there. Uh, we're also completing a, a, a growth uh, study, a feasibility study for the Mangari operation, which will increase production from 2.1 to 4.2 million tonnes per annum and, and take production from around 125,000 ounces to about 180 to 220,000 ounces with a 10-year mine life. Um, and then we've got, we need to transform uh, Red Lake and we need to still deliver value over there. But we have a cornerstone group of assets then, um, which are, I think, you know, best in class, um, low cost. We're one of the lowest cost gold producers in the world. Our gold, our gold cost of production is less than a thousand US dollars an ounce. Um, and we're, we're nearing the end of our growth projects in terms of the cow project, uh, which was a very capital intensive period. So you should see from our, us um, you know, higher cash generation, we are entering into a period where we're unhedged from the end of June. Um, we've paid 20 consecutive dividends, um, and I see the future is pretty bright for us. Um, obviously, you've got four operations in Australia and one in Canada. What's, what is the biggest challenge um, and also the biggest opportunity uh, for evolution um, that you're currently facing? So the last couple of years, um, we've had some operational hiccups, uh, largely around our our, um, our operation in in Canada. Uh, we bought that from Newmont. We knew it was an undercapitalized, uh, unloved asset. Uh, we just didn't realize how undercapitalized and how unloved it was. So we've owned it for three years. Two years of that was during COVID, which didn't help us, uh, given that we couldn't visit an asset that we newly acquired. So getting the runs on the board at Red Lake um, is really important. Uh, we have worn the patience of our investors out a bit on uh, not being able to deliver what we anticipated at Red Lake. There's 12 million ounces of gold in the ground. Uh, I haven't yet met one person who said that we can't make this a highly profitable, low-cost operation. Um, it's just about mining that safely and getting it in, into the plant and then the converting it into money in the bank. Um, we're confident we can do that, but we now need to start really getting the runs on the board. Um, in terms of opportunities, I've described the Ernest Henry opportunity, you know, large-scale exploration upside over there, um, fabulous asset. We made uh, over $300 million in the first nine months of owning that asset, 100% of that asset. Um, Cal, uh, we have additional open pits that have the potential to extend that operation as well. We just uh, commissioning the underground operation of there, uh, Mangari, the future growth project. But from our perspective, we've, we, we, we want to enter into a period where um, our, our capital is, is more, profile is more smoothed, um, that we don't have lumpy um, uh, um, capital calls. Um, our schedule allows that now. And we, we, we probably are better at planning our longer-term outlook. Um, and... Uh, that cash generation, you know, at the end of the day, gold mining is a business. Uh, we need to demonstrate that we are allocating capital appropriately with discipline uh, and that we are making returns for shareholders and we're paying them dividends. Um, obviously, focusing on uh, the, the cow gold mine, 
Um, can you bring us up to date on the uh, underground expansion of uh, that mine in New South Wales? Yeah, so as your listeners are probably well aware, inflation has been one of the nemesis of the gold industry um, to date. Uh, it is helping the gold price, but it doesn't help costs. So I'm incredibly proud that we've been able to deliver this project within the original budget. It was 380 million Australian dollars. Uh, we brought it in on budget, uh, actually a bit under budget, uh, and three months ahead of schedule. So I think that's a tremendous achievement. Um, it's ramping up now. We've taken the first steps. Um, it complements the open pit material, uh, but it means that cow can go from a 230,000 ounce a year producer to 320,000 ounces. And that long life in front of us gives us the planning horizon to be able to again plan those capital allocations on a very disciplined and uh, accretive basis for shareholders. Um, last week, you released the, the latest series of um, exciting new, uh, new drill results for your Ernest Henry um, gold copper mine. Um, what does that mean for the future potential of the operation? A much longer life than we anticipated. Um, Glenn Masterman, our Vice President of Discovery, um, I haven't seen the smile wiped off his face for, um, since he started drilling uh, at, at Evolution. He's grinning ear to ear um, at Ernest Henry. Um, he's really excited by what we're finding both uh, in areas uh, alongside the, the, the main ore body and reserves, but also below uh, the existing infrastructure. So I, I think we're all tremendously excited that we're able to acquire this asset. Um, as I said earlier, it was done in two stages, um, but we think it is an asset that really uh, does fit within a major's um, portfolio. Uh, we are very fortunate to acquire it uh, and the potential for mine life extensions, recognising that it produces 50,000 tonnes of copper, which is not that material to Glencore, uh, but to Evolution, it's a very material asset. So it's gone right up the... the, the um, the rankings in terms of allocation of discovery dollars. And I think that's where we found the arbitrage often is. Um, in a large organization, whether it's the Cal Mine, uh, the Red Lake operation or Ernest Henry, uh, they don't rank highly in terms of where they are within the portfolio of a new mines at Barrack or a, or a Glencore. Uh, but within our organization, uh, if uh, the call is right on geology, uh, which Glenn has, has been very good at, at making those calls. Uh, there is often a recognition from the site teams uh, that, yeah, we've been trying to drill these holes for many years. We just couldn't get the allocation of capital. And that's part of the reason why we're also happy to sometimes put smaller assets within our portfolio into other people's hands, because it goes up the rankings uh, from their perspective uh, in terms of priorities. And they have been able to extend the mine lives. They're just smaller assets. So I'm a big believer in getting assets to fit within organisations or into portfolios of organisations where they get the right allocation of capital. Um, Evolution is looking at a very innovative end-of-life project at its uh, Mount Rawdon mine in Queensland. Um, can you tell us or tell our listeners um, what your company studied for at Mount Rawdon? Yes, yeah, so this, this one, people struggle to believe me when I say that this mine, which is running out of gold, uh, is going to be potentially our most valuable gold mine. Um, and that is because there is an opportunity 
uh, with Mount Broaden to convert it into a pumped hydro uh, renewable energy uh, generator. Um, so we're studying and, and we own 50% of it. The project was initiated by some real experts in this field uh, who recognize that Australia needs to move to a renewable energy grid. Uh, part of the, um, the, the necessity of moving to a grid which is powered by wind and solar is you need battery storage and pumped hydro uh, is, a, is an ideal battery storage. So they've done a whole study of opportunities in Australia. They approached us, uh, this is four years ago, uh, with a view that Mount Rawdon has the, uh, the attributes that make it the most suitable uh, um, operation uh, to be converted into a, a pumped hydro um, a power generator. And so we've been doing this feasibility study really at the same time when renewable energy has become such a key theme uh, of, of, of everyone and Australia is finally getting onto the bandwagon of a renewable energy grid. Uh, Queensland, the state which uh, Mount Broaden is in, uh, has very ambitious targets. They want to get to 50% renewable by 2030 uh, and 85% by 2035. At the moment, they only have 22% being generated by, um, by renewables. So there is a big gap between what the aspiration is and what uh, the current state is. Mount Rawdon could be a two gigawatt battery for 10 hours, uh, which is a very material and large battery um, uh, for, the, for the grid. It's, uh, it, it would provide firming power. And every person we have shown this to be at a uh, a federal or state government's uh, representative, a fund who invests in renewables, uh, they all see this as a potential breakthrough for the Queensland grid. So um, we're excited. The feasibility study will be done through the calendar year 2024. By the end of 2024, um, we think it could be uh, one of evolution's most valuable assets, albeit it won't be as a gold mine. Um, it's a free option which evolution shareholders have at the moment. Yeah, no, good luck with that as well. Um, how would the potential takeover of Australia's biggest gold miner, New Crest Mining, impact uh, Evolution's strategy and the future of the business? Well, I think um, it, it has shone the, the light on gold companies, which is good. Um, you know, New Crest has been the leader for, for a long time. Um, I suppose it promotes us up the, the rankings uh, by default. <laughs> because uh, Newcrest will be taken off the board. So it's high likelihood, in my view, that the, the transaction will be successful. So we'll become the third largest Australian gold producer uh, on the ASX. Sorry, we are the third now, we'll become the second. Um, I, I think at a time when interest in gold is growing, um, it can only be good for evolution shareholders. And as a business, where are you looking to potentially expand? Obviously, you're in... Queensland, New South Wales, and Canada. Um, are you looking to expand outside of Australia further or keep keep operations within Australia? Uh, we also have that asset in Western Australia, which, um, albeit they, they often don't want to be part of Australia, it is still a state in Australia. But um, I, I think having had the exposure and experience in China, and I, I really do believe, unfortunately, that the geopolitical fragmentation in the world is, is becoming uh, increasingly concerning. Um, there's a war going on in Ukraine. 
Um, you know, every day you hear about increased assertiveness of, of China and pushback by the US. Um, I think investors are going to need to think more about geopolitical risk uh, in going forward and assets that are in um, geopolitically safe jurisdictions like Australia and Canada, I think will be awarded a premium rating. So we don't have any, um, any uh, di directions or desire to go outside of those jurisdictions. I think, Rob, in your business, you would know well that skills are equally important to being able to deliver on the, um, on the returns and, and on the assets. So yeah, Australia and Canada have great uh, geology. Uh, they have great mining uh, legislation, and you can be secure in your in, in owning the asset. But they also have great skills, um, which are required to deliver on these assets. And what's the outlook uh, of the company for the remainder of this year? And I suppose looking at a longer term future. So we, we, we recognize that gold is a cyclical business. Um, it, we're, we're, I think, at the start of a, a good part of the cycle. Um, but most gold companies are still between 20 and 40% off their highs when gold was lost at 2,000 US dollars an ounce uh, in 2020. Um, so I think investor interest hasn't yet reached the gold sector, so that means that there could be opportunity. You're starting to see quite a lot, a lot of M&A um, movements in, in the space. You've seen, obviously, we've, we've referenced Newmont and Newcrest. Uh, Glencore has made a bid for tech. Um, there is quite a lot of activity in the sector at, at the moment, um, which I think is good. It creates interest uh, and it creates opportunity because um, we are always circling around and looking for that asset, uh, preferably in a major, uh, but not necessarily uh, one that can uh, improve the quality of our portfolio, be accretive to our shareholders. And whenever there's interest in the sector, it means that uh, there's opportunity. And lastly, um, our audience is mainly, mainly made up of um, mining professionals within the industry, um, suppliers into the industry, and also investors as well. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to... Uh, have a leaving note on or anything you want to give our audience as a maybe a sign of encouragement? Yeah, you should apply for a job at Evolution. It's a great company to work <laughs> for. Um, we, we, we think um, and believe that, um, and I've heard it as uh, from people that uh, we want people's time and we hope it's a long time uh, that they spend at Evolution to be a highlight of their career. Um, we um, want people who want to act and feel like owners. We give every person in the company exposure to the equity in the company. Uh, we believe that operating as a team, um, operating as, a, as, a, as an organization with values, uh, but allowing people the runway to achieve their, their success and their dreams uh, is what creates great companies. And we think Evolution's on that journey. Yeah, no, that's great to hear. Jake, really appreciate your time in um, taking the time to tell us and our audience about uh, the company and your uh, future projections. Um, if our audience wants to reach out to you, if they've got any questions, and maybe even if anyone wants to uh, apply for a job for to you, um, how can they go about doing that? And what social media platforms are you on? 
Um, we're on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, but I think I should have given you a plug and said that they should go through you to get a job at us. Uh, yes. <laughs> they, 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 welcome to contact us. Uh, we have a website. Of course, uh, I am on LinkedIn and anyone can direct message me um, and I will try and respond directly. Yeah. And we'll include some um, social media um, platforms as well uh, accompanying this uh, podcast in the show notes. So if anyone wants to follow uh, Evolution's journey, then they can, they can do so. Really appreciate your time, Jake. All the best for the remainder of this year and beyond. Um, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed this uh, episode. Appreciate your continued support. Please share this episode amongst people within the mining industry, but also people outside of the mining industry. I think it's going to be a big year for gold, uh, not just this year, but for, for the forthcoming years as well. So really appreciate you, your continued support and please keep sharing this, uh, this uh, episode and other episodes that we produce. So until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.